0: Welcome to the Sharon Cliff Podcast. I'm a business coach, a mentor, a wife, mama of four, lover of wine, and a consumer of dark chocolate. On the Sharon Cliff Podcast, a real talk, no fluff podcast, myself and my incredible guests answer the hard questions with practical advice and fun sharing stories, tips, and the how-to we explore mindfulness, marketing, building wealth, self-care, and all things business. A podcast to inspire you to take action so you can create a life and a business that you love without the burnout. To find out more about me, head to sharoncliff.com.au. Turn up the volume. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sharon Cliff Podcast. This episode is a special Mother's Day episode where I want to share the really emotional and personal story of when I had my twins and what we went through and just the choices that we made and and why we made them. And I'm just going to read out a couple of the headlines that were in local media at the time. One of them said, a mother's brutal brutal choice faced with an agonizing decision this mum." refused to choose between her unborn babies another article why can't both my babies live another one our battle our babies battle to survive and a i guess a disclaimer you know this this episode is going to be triggering for some people um i can't read these articles without tearing up and i've not seen anyone that has read these articles so far and hasn't teared up so the episode is probably going to be very similar so grab a box of tissues and, um, you know, and, and listen to, to, to my story. This is, this is what happened. So, uh, the year 2000, I had my eldest son, Leighton, two weeks early, three hour labor, um, simple as, uh, easy, easy journey for the first, for the first child, which was great. You know, he slept through the night, all that sort of stuff. Um, the next, pregnancy i miscarried at 13 weeks and of course went through all the emotion and the guilt and heartache that um that you know a, a miscarriage encompasses and really took some time out to um just sort of re, regroup and just let my body heal and um get get into the right mindset and, and and just sort of um you know just take that time and give myself some space and then in 2003 we welcomed Alaria um, she was 10 days early uh, she came in about an hour uh, really simple easy birth again and then when I was about 30 years old my husband and I were toying with the idea do we want another troll and he was like no two's easy no we're, we're done and I was like mm, but I really want three and I'd really like another girl so I had a, a boy and a girl anyway When I was 30, I then found out I was pregnant and because we'd had some issues obviously with the miscarriage and then we'd had some um, scares with Alaria when I was pregnant with her and I really felt comfortable with the obstetrician that we had in Sydney and we were living on the um, central coast of New South Wales at this stage. So at eight weeks, we headed off to Sydney and um, and left the two older kids back in northern New South Wales and... um, and saw, saw the doctor, so it was a two-and-a-half drive away from where we were, and um, he's sort of looking at the, the screen, and he's like, guess what? And we're like, what? And he goes, it's twins. <laughs> we're like, what the hell? And I go, but we don't have any multiple births in our, in our family. And, um, and he said, well, sometimes it just happens, and it's sort of a bit early on. He's trying to work out, you know, whether they're identical or not. So when, it, when they're identical, it's one that splits, so it's not anything that's through the family. And we were just in shock at this stage and he said, well, actually, I just need to go and get another, an ultrasound machine because I just need to, um, to have a look at something else. And we're like, what? Anyway, so then he's done another scan. He's gone one, two, three. And we're like, no, 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 no. Anyway, it worked out that there was just twins. There wasn't three in there. Anyway, so we, um yeah, head, headed back up to um, to Northern New South Wales and t- talking to our couple of close friends and letting them know about our new news our our double trouble news and they absolutely kept themselves laughing thinking it was hilarious and um my husband thought it was hilarious because he said well you wanted another one and now you're going to have another two and i was like that's okay so they're identical so yep two girls well obviously it can't be a boy and a girl so you know it's got to be two girls we then went for a, another scan at um 17 weeks and worked out that there was too much fluid around too much aminotic fluid around one twin and the other twin didn't have enough so this was a very early science of twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome which doesn't normally happen till at least sort of you know 25 30 weeks and to us it it had come on at 17 and the doctor sort of hadn't seen anything this early before and we are lucky that he he picked it up. So what it meant was when there's lots of fluid around one baby is that that baby's getting lots of blood and because it's getting lots of blood, it's urinating a lot and has a, has a lot of the, the fluid around it. What it meant was that the other baby was anemic and wasn't getting much blood at all. So we raced to get an appointment with a, a, a specialist who, who does a lot with twin-to-twin transfusion and basically they said that um the the baby that's getting lots of blood is working its organs are working overtime and its heart is beating too much too fast and the other baby isn't getting enough blood so its development's going to be slow and its vital organs aren't going to grow properly so unless the doctors intervene one baby if not both will die and of course you know 17 weeks pregnant with a uh, four-year-old and an 18 month old two and a half hours away from where we lived and I just burst into tears. You know, we've just come to terms with the fact that we're going to have twins, and now we're faced with the prospect of losing one or both. So we had to see the the, the specialist um, in the in the next week, and um, we didn't really want to we didn't really want to wait that long. So we managed to to um, to get in, get in earlier and, and see the specialist the next day because it just so happens that the specialist was going away and there's only two of these specialists in Australia. One was in New South Wales, which is where you were, and the other one was in Queensland. So we saw the specialist and they said, look, we need to go in through your belly button and use laser surgery to to cauterize the, the blood vessels so that we're, we're stopping the, the blood flow from one baby to the other. And we're... We always do it under general anaesthetic, but it's always very risky. So we want to do it under a twilight sedation, which we'd never done before. Um, are you willing to be part of this sort of, you know, first study? And we and um, they said, but the, the the thing is that once you have this surgery, uh, one or both of the babies could could die. And we just said, well, what's the consequences of not having it? And they said, well one will most likely die um if not two so we just said well let's you know our gut feel just said let's have the procedure and whatever happens happens um if we sit here and do nothing then we know that at least one will die if not both and we thought well at least if we have the the operation that um we give them the best fighting chance so We opted to have the procedure the next day because this doctor was going away and we didn't want to have to fly to Queensland then to to have the surgery. So we had a room full of doctors and specialists because, as I said, this was a world first. They'd never done it under twilight sedation before. And it was quite scary because we had to to leave, you know, the, the other two kids and try and stay strong for them and sort of not let them know that, you know, anything was up. And what we were going through Um as a couple it was unbelievable just the stress and strain on um on the on the on our relationship and um anyway so we had we had the surgery and um but you know they there was, was high risk because they said pretty much you know the the experience they'd have with, with that surgery is that one one or both of the babies generally die and so two weeks later we went to see the the specialist to um to see where they were at and both babies were doing great so both shooting you know both tracking in in the in the same direction and and things were good but we knew that it was at that four week mark where um that's really when when um we knew whether we'd be at, out of the woods or not we went back to um to the specialist at the four week mark and both heartbeats were were still there and, bo- and both babies were tracking great which was just such a relief um, but then things sort of turned and um, we we found out that one baby was tracking, um, you know, up in one direction and the other baby was tracking down in the opposite direction. And they'd never seen that before and they just didn't know what to do. So this is, um, you know, we're sort of pushing 21 weeks here. Um, as I said, you know, we had surgery that was done at 17 weeks, which they'd never normally performed um, that kind of surgery. Um, until at least 21 weeks. Twin-to-twin transfusion doesn't normally happen until at least sort of 25, 30 weeks with us. It happened at 14. Um, and there was just so many things that, you know, there was, there was signs that, um, you know, normally you wouldn't have an ultrasound that early. Normally, you know, a normal obstetrician wouldn't pick up twin-to-twin transfusion. There was just so many things in our favour and so many little miracles along the way that we just kept thinking we just got to go with our gut feel, absorb the information that we've been told, but actually just go off our, our gut feel and just keep pushing through and take each step and each make each decision as it comes to us and don't worry sort of long term. And that really was um, our mantra, I guess, through through this entire pregnancy. And when we when we sort of got to the point. Um, where they said you know one baby's going off in one direction and one's going the other you know you're going to walk a, in most cases both babies will die um with with the evidence that they had and they said you need to really make a decision to either terminate the pregnancy now and lose both babies or terminate one and keep one so um you know the one that was where the organs were were um, were failing because they, they weren't getting the blood. Um, you know, you should really think about terminating that baby and keeping the other baby. And I just went, well, we we lost a baby before and we didn't have a choice. We didn't have um, any options this time. Well, I can't decide. You know, we've come this far, and we're not going to make that decision. We're just going to wait and see what happens. You know, if we one or both dies, then um, you know, then then we'll we'll deal with that. So we just want to keep pushing. So. The doctors were talking to doctors all around the world. They were on the, there was a, um, a, an Australian conference that was, a medical conference that was happening at the time. And they spoke to doctors all around Australia trying to decide, you know, what do we do? We haven't had a case where twins at, at this level had gone off in different directions, um, you know, obviously not having it ha- happened so early. They spoke to, so they put it up as a case study. They had a, um, a worldwide conference where they had people from America, um, UK, Germany and they put this case to them and pretty much every case, um, one or both babies died. None of them, none of them in the history where both babies had survived. Um, you know, so of course we, we were petrified. Um, every time we went for an ultrasound, we held our breath. Um, we, we had tears every time we saw those little hearts beating and, you know, and it was just such an emotional time. And, and, we got to the point where we were traveling um twice a week from northern new south wales down to sydney so you know two and a half hours having to leave the kids with my parents and then at um at about 25 weeks i went into labor and they said you know these babies can't can't survive um you bring them into the world no sorry at 24 weeks they said the babies can't survive if you bring them into the world at 24 weeks. And um, Harrison, which was um, twin B at the time, was just taking still so much blood from Cooper, who was twin A at the time, that you know that it was still very dangerous whilst they were inside. And it was dangerous; it was more dangerous to actually um, to bring them into the world. So we went through a um, a tour of the. We we generally went. Um, Private, but at this stage because they were going to be obviously born very premie, uh, we had to go to, to a intensive specialist intensive care unit. And um, at, at 24 weeks, we did a, a tour of that facility, and they were just showing us the you know the size of some of the babies in there, and just you know looking at some of the other parents and the the desperation and, and fear and anxiety on their faces, just really really brought home um you know what we were going to face on the other side of this once they come out because we're thinking you know at least when they come out they've got you know specialists here but then with then when we walked through and saw that we thought well actually you know what they're better off to stay inside as long as they can and at 20 25 weeks we we went um i went into premature labor and they stopped it um because we they said they wouldn't survive because boys boys have a lower survival rate when they're premature and um so they put me in hospital, and I was there for a week in a room with no windows, separated from um, well, pretty much the world. Um, and I just got to a point where I was just breaking down because um, you know, in a room with four walls, the emotional toll at this stage—you know—when having a four-year-old and a, and a you know a two-year-old at home. Um, so we had moved into – this stage we decided that we couldn't keep travelling buts and forwards two and a half hours twice a week to go for hospital scans, that we moved back into my parents' house at um, in, um, in Western Sydney, sort of closer to where the, all the specialists were. And um, and that way it just took a bit of strain off because, you know, I knew that the older two kids then could be settled and I'd have someone looking after them. And then, um, you know, the, the toll that this took on my husband as well because he was having to leave work all the time to drive into appointments – We had a house that, you know, where all of our life was that was two and a half hours away and we just had to, you know, sort of, um, you know, start this temporary life. And whilst we were in limbo and then um, the the doctors, they were saying, look, if you can make it to 28 weeks, then they've got a much higher higher survival right um rate and you know that's the milestone that we need to get to so yes whilst they're at risk inside they're still stable but if we bring them out you know it's it's they, they are better off to stay in there a bit longer and um you know it was just so hard because you know we'll come up to christmas it was going to be my son's fifth birthday he was starting school so we had to make some serious decisions around that too and we sort of thought well let's um let's look at you know moving back down to Sydney um you know selling our house and at least what we need a support network around us we don't know how what's going to happen with these babies how long they're going to stay in hospital for and and at this point you know my body was starting to shut down I was getting um blood welts and and I you know I wasn't doing that great either and every every week when we, met, we when we reached another milestone you know it was just something to to celebrate you know and i hadn't gone full term you know like with any of the other pregnancies you know they were they were both sort of 2 weeks 2 weeks early so i hadn't hadn't gone full t- full term anyway so we knew that these um that these babies weren't going to so when um you know so christmas was sort of f- fast approaching and they were pumping me full of steroids to to help the boys lungs develop and you know we got to 30 weeks which was just absolutely amazing and um trying to Trying to do Christmas shopping and get late and set up for school and Alario was starting daycare and it was sort of hard because you know I'm stuck in hospital and by this stage um, you know I'd been in there for five weeks and I'd watched all the DVDs and because you know there wasn't Netflix out then and um, I was going and having coffee with other women that were coming and going and they'd have their babies and then they would leave and then. Luckily one of my friends was in having her baby at the same time, so at least for a week I got to you know, wait wait on her baby and talk to her and talk to her visitors. So that sort of um, you know, made that made that week go a bit quicker. I think it was about 31 weeks and it was New Year's Eve, and um, the midwife had come in to check the heartbeats and she sort of paused and went like, Oh, what's going on? And anyway, she left left the room and come back and she said, Oh, you'll need to get your um, your husband to come in anyway, so we just went into a panic and he came in and um and they just said oh look we can't find the heartbeats on the babies we need to get the specialist in and we were you know it was new year's eve um i'd been in hospital for six weeks and we'd been through so much in this time and um we're just like you know we've waited all this time surely surely we haven't lost them you know this close to the finish line and um we're just in a daze you know staring at each other and And it was, and yeah, we were just so so sort of lost. And then um, our our special our um, obstetrician had come back in and said, "No, that's okay. There's a heartbeat. There's a heartbeat." And it was it was really bizarre because you know it was midnight on the dot, and fireworks started going off all around us, and it was so emotional because there was just some kind of improper reading, and we just cried, and then. Once we knew everything was okay, we walked out on the balcony of the hospital and and just went, and the fireworks were going off and people are going, Happy New Year. And we're like, wow, <laughs> the best New Year's present ever. Um, yeah, and then each day sort of dragged, dragged and dragged, and we got to 32 weeks. And then um, we had medical teams on standby because we knew that Cooper, who was the one whose organs were sh- shutting down because he wasn't getting enough blood, and um, we knew that, you know inside he was the one that was in trouble um because harrison was his his body you know was fully functioning but we knew that once they so cooper was the one that was in trouble on the inside we knew that once they they came out on the outside it would be um cooper could be just you know pumped pumped full and of um of of oxygen etc and get blood transfusions and um you know he he you know recover quite quickly whereas once uh harrison was on the outside obviously you know his his body was working overdrive he would need to have his blood thinned and um we don't know sort of how his body was going to cope and just before 32 weeks they wanted to deliver them and um, but that we would have to have one in one hospital and one in a hospital 30 minutes away and i said well we're already two and a half hours away from home i've been in hospital for six weeks we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old it's you know between Christmas and New Year uh, sorry it was um New Year and I said I can't have one baby in one hospital and one half an hour away like I I can't cope like I just I have to make a stand you know all the way along this pregnancy they kept saying you know to to terminate and we kept saying no we're just going to keep going what happens happens and they kept saying you know you're not going to walk away with two babies it'll be one or you know none and I just went no I need to have them together they need to be together and i was just exhausted i was mentally and physically exhausted and two days later they said yep we've got two intensive care units ready to go let's do this um i was so sick i was throwing up when they were trying to to um cut me open to to get the boys out they arrived within a minute of each other um both put on oxygen Cooper weighed thirteen hundred grams and needed urgent blood transfusion. Harrison weighed eighteen hundred grams and had to have his blood thinned. They obviously raced off to uh, have teams working on them. I actually didn't see them until the next day because um, I had to go in to a care unit because um, I was tachycardic and, and my body was sort of uh, it had had enough. And um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't get to see them until the next day, but. know they were they were both very, very small obviously you know fit into your palm of your hand but cooper thrived you know he had two blood transfusions and um they put him under some lights and you know and he and he was all good and harrison had to have four lots of blood removed he had saline drips his organs were working normally but um he took a long time to recover and um and he had to they had to keep pumping him full of caffeine because um his heart just wouldn't function properly and so Harrison we didn't get to hold until he was eight days old and um, that was sort of heartbreaking. And then, um, the, you know, Leighton and Larry couldn't visit them until, until a few days because they were in such a high dependent uh, level of ICU. Um, and that to, to even add salt to the wound is the hospital then had a superbug that went through, which means that Leighton and Larry actually then couldn't visit them and the visitors were actually limited. So... I had spent six weeks in hospital before them. They were then they then stayed in hospital till they were full term. So they were born at 32 weeks, and um, they spent eight weeks in hospital in um, different levels of uh, intensive care. And um, then we were able to bring them home, and yeah, and to um, you know fight all that time, not knowing if we'll bring home one or two. And even when I said to to my doctor, you know. Time I choose because I'm, I don't ever wanna. I don't ever want to, I can't ever go through this again. My body can't do it. If I go home with none um, or one, that's what's going to happen. Because even when it's once they were born, um, we still didn't know, you know, whether we'd still be taking two babies home. And when we walked out of that hospital with two babies, miracles absolutely happen. And it's only because we stuck it out and we went off the medical evidence that was you know that was put forward we we listened to different doctors opinions and no one could really tell us what we actually should do they just say look this is what the evidence is this is what's past history this is what other people have done and no one in our position had ever walked away with two babies so absolute miracles um yeah and so now, you know no long-term effects. they're they're fifteen. um they've been playing Premier League soccer for the last couple of years. Uh, very fit, very active, very tall. And you know, apart from a few hiccups along the way, um, you know they're they're fighting fit, and um you know they they have a lot to do, they've they've been part of medical studies all around the world, so no one will ever have to go through what we did um they're they're world famous now they've been presented in twin conferences all around the world they participated in the twin brain study in um in queensland through through the uni so they do a lot of invasive tests with um with mris and urine and blood samples every couple of years and um just to know that you know we just kept going through through every obstacle and and hurdle we were giving and um and you know yeah we came out of it and our marriage came out of it stronger than ever because that's something that can really break down a relationship with the kind of emotional toll um especially when you're dealing with distance as well we ended up selling our house and um moving back to sydney and of course you know um that was 2006 and then you know 2010 we moved all four kids to queensland and um yeah so that's 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 the story um I did get a bit emotional at times but um yeah hopefully you know that can help someone with with their journey is just keep going off your gut feel listen to what the doctors are telling but you know at the end of the day you've got to make the decision if you think that you need to just keep going and see see what happens do because I was told terminate the pregnancy terminate both terminate one and keep one and I didn't and because I had that choice taken away from me before with the previous pregnancy at 13 weeks. That was my driving force for just keep going and if something happens, then it happens. But I'm always a firm believer in having that positive mindset that no, keep going, everything's going to be fine, they're going to be okay, I'm taking two babies home. From that first day when they first said you need to make a decision to – to terminate one one baby or terminate their pregnancy i just went no i am walking out of that hospital with two babies and i just kept that that was my mantra the whole way through every time we'd go for an ultrasound and i would said the two heartbeats i'm going home with two babies and i said that the whole entire time and that is a positive mindset and that is really what got me through because the emotional and physical toll that this pregnancy took on my body and my husband and my family and my friends was unbelievable you know for my body to come back and not not quite normal because it's still not normal i still have issues but um for my body to go through what it did through with with these babies um is is amazing so that's my story and i'd love to know your thoughts um please reach out shoot me through a dm and um If you've had a similar journey, I'd also love to know your experience. But thank you so much for listening to my story. Wow, so much gold right there. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. Get in touch via Instagram, Sharon underscore Cliff, or my website, SharonCliff.com.au. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share on socials, make sure you tag me in, or leave a review the Sharon Cliff podcast, helping you build a business and a life that you love without burning out. Have an awesome week and I'll see you next week.